In our ever-changing environment, it is important now more than ever to look at the way we do things. The initial step in changing our methods is changing our thinking. It is vital that we have the conversations to instigate and propel positive change within our industries and communities by looking at different ideas and adopting new mindsets. The Reset and Rethink podcast is continuing our connectivity with rural and regional communities and the people that help sustain them. It's an over-the-fence look at people's lives, ideas and actions that inspire us. We hear from strong individuals, community members, business owners and industry professionals who are making way for real change in their patch and beyond. Welcome to the Reset and Rethink podcast, brought to you by Chirrup, empowering and supporting rural and regional communities to thrive. The Growing the Ag Workforce webinar and podcast series has been funded by the Queensland Agriculture Workforce Network. Corn is an industry-delivered initiative funded by the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries. Corn offices work to support Queensland agribusinesses to attract, train and retain workers. The purpose of this podcast series is to further discuss the key takeaway messages from the webinars and provide more insight into workplace relations, staff training and development, and safety in the agricultural workplace. Welcome to Sheriff's Reset and Rethink podcast. Today's episode is part two in the three-part series of Growing the Ag Workforce. I'm joined today by Sally Murphy from Inspire Ag. Welcome, Sally. Thanks so much for having me on, Meg. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. So before we jump into the questions, can you just tell me a bit about yourself and your business? Sure. So, oh gosh, this is always a really difficult one, isn't it? I never know where to start because you always see the same thing over again. But absolutely, Meg. I grew up on a farm on the northwest coast of Tasmania and I've spent my entire career either working on farm or for agribusiness companies And I knew from a really early age that agriculture was the sector that I wanted to be involved with. But what I was less clear about was what I was going to do or how I was going to have an impact on the industry. And that was about, that was until about eight years ago when I finally figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up, when I established Inspire Ag. And through my business, I support farmers and agribusinesses to grow and optimize their business performance through the power of their people. What I'm really passionate about is helping my clients to create cultures that ensure the whole team grows to their full potential and perform well together. Yeah, amazing. And you do such amazing work. So the reason I guess I really wanted you to be involved in the Growing the Ag Workforce series is because you talk a lot of sense when it comes to attraction, retention and training, especially in the ag workforce because of your, um, I guess, very diverse background Um in ag so can we give the listeners today a bit of a recap of the webinar session yeah so during the webinar we discuss I guess you could break it down into three areas we discussed the current and future skills and labor market we looked at the external and the internal uh, factors that are influencing HR for Australian agriculture we also, and then we also looked at strategies that can help uh, businesses attract, develop and retain human capital. And I guess during today, we're going to expand on, on some of those based on the, the questions that were received from the feedback from the participants of the webinar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think um, the webinar, it has set a great background of today's discussion. So if our listeners would like to go and watch the webinar, which has been recorded, you can find it on our Share Up YouTube channel. So with that, I think we should jump straight into the questions. And 
this one's a bit of a broad one, but I think it'll help set the scene for today's discussion. Why is it so important to invest in the human capital side of your business? Well, I guess at the end of the day, Meg, that labour comprises a really significant component of uh, our operating cost as, as an industry. Yet as an industry, I think we act, we undervalue the human component. So if you look at the, the two ends of the spectrum, uh, there was a recent report that came out that, that indicated that the cost of recruitment can cost anywhere between eighteen and $23,000. So that's a, a really significant figure to, um, to understand why it's really important to invest in the people side and get the right pe- uh, people into our businesses. On the con or the flip side of that, if we've got to replace somebody that's disengaged from our business, it can cost anywhere between 30 and 200% of that annual wage to replace somebody and bring a new person up to speed. So whatever we talk about in agriculture, essentially it requires people, doesn't it? So without the people, the production doesn't happen. And so that's why it's really important that we invest in the people side of agriculture. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Without them, the like everything literally stops. Um, it's so interesting to hear you talk about the figures as well. It really puts more of a understanding or like business perspective to it as well, which is really interesting. So yeah, it takes exactly, away from the soft and fluffy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really does. It really does put some like hard facts behind it, which is it does help when you're trying to make those business decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to deep dive into those a bit more today. And starting off with understanding self, can we talk, can you elaborate on the difference between um, a leader and a boss? Yeah, look, this is a really interesting conversation that um, even gets some some heated debate between HR professionals and, and leadership development professionals. But I think in the most simplistic way, to my mind, that is, a leader is somebody who leads people and a boss is somebody who manages things. So the the most effective leaders out there are people who are really clear about the purpose of their business. They help their employees to discover how their role can contribute beyond the daily tasks and contribute to fulfilling something greater than just the paycheck. And so as a leader, why is it so important to understand yourself and how you operate? And I guess that goes into being an effective manager as well. At the very heart of it, I think that if you can't lead yourself, then you can't lead other people. You know, how how you as a leader naturally think how you act and how you communicate can have a really significant impact on the performance of your team. And during the webinar, we discussed one study that showed that a leader can have a an impact on team engagement ranging from 70%, either positive or negative. So I think, you know, teams become reflections of how we treat them. And if our team isn't performing well, then it might be time to check the weather, in inverted commas, um, in your workforce. So when you're trying to understand yourself and how you operate as a leader or manager, do you have any um, suggestions on how they can do that, whether that be through um, disk profiling or you also mentioned the SCARF model? Yeah, yep. So I think, you know, finding opportunities to build relationships is is one of the most important things that you can do as a leader. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really good question because I think as per the last question, if if we 
don't understand ourselves, then we've got no hope of trying to lead other people. So self-awareness to me is, is first and foremost. Most people believe that they are self-aware and there's actually a study out there that says that there's only about 10 to 15% of people who are self-aware of the impact that they have on the way that they think, the way they um, communicate, the way that they engage with others. So I think, you know, if you're looking for opportunities to build relationship with your team, I think you've got to look for those micro moments where you can grow your emotional literacy because to me, the emotional literacy is just as important as the financial literacy. I guess that kind of wraps up the understanding self part of it and how to be an effective leader. So how do you make sure you are hiring the right people? Oh, such a great question, Meg, particularly in this current market. I spend an enormous amount of time talking about this with my clients and also with with industry through um, mediums like this, through podcasts and webinars and also through guest speaking. I think hiring is one of the most important things we can do as a, as a business owner or a leader because there's, there's a saying out there that says shaping your culture is more than half done when you hire the team. And I so believe in that. You've got to recruit well, you've got to induct well, and you've got to support well. And I think it's important to get this right because if we've got people in our business who cannot do their own personal reflection about the behaviour um, about their own behaviour, I should say, that's a really dangerous thing to, um, that's a really dangerous space to be in. I think even before that though, Meg, um, I think we need to go back to the, the very beginning. It, and if we're looking to engage in, a, in a, an attraction and a recruitment campaign to bring new people into our business, we need to understand our own internal operating environment. So I guess that's essentially getting your ducks in a row before you bring people into your existing workforce. So before you go on on a recruitment campaign, I'd be uh, suggesting that you're looking at your internal HR systems and processes at a very basic level, things like, are you meeting the national employment standards? Do you have employee documentation in place? Do you have policies and procedures? Do you have position descriptions? So you're really clear about your expectations of that particular role and of the conduct expected um, to operate successfully in that business? Are you managing performance and conduct appropriately with your existing team? And what's the culture like in your current team? And then beyond that, I'd be looking at things like having a really serious review of what does your current workforce look like? Uh, What are the skills of the future what do you need um, to help grow your business? And if there are any gaps, how are you going to how are you going to bridge those gaps as as a um, leader or a manager? I think if you place people into a system that isn't working effectively in the in the first place, you're just essentially breeding um, more. Or I suppose there's yeah, there's more opportunity for things to go wrong, and you're opening yourself and your business up to some pretty big risks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You're talking about how important the recruitment and the induction process is and understanding your future employees. So in the webinar, you mentioned the employee value proposition. What is the benefit of mapping that out and having an employee value proposition when it comes to hiring the right people? Yeah, look, an employee value proposition, to my mind, answers the question for an employee why they should join your business. 
in agriculture, I think we've got a lot of work to do to sell ourselves better as an industry. And so only naturally as a, as a sector, the business side of it um, or the employer side of it um, in, in this really competitive market, we need to do a better job at um, trying to attract candidates to our industry. So essentially an employee value proposition will put you ahead of the competition mm. and in a, in a market where there are more jobs than people to fill them, this, is, this has become really, really important for us to focus on. If, as an employer, if you don't know what your employee value proposition is, I think it's time to start spending some, um, some real focused energy on this. And if you don't know the answer to that question, asking yourself questions like, what do you stand for? What won't you stand for? why do you think your current workforce get out of bed every morning and come and work for you? And Mm -hmm. if they left, what do you think they would miss the most about it? So if you can answer some of these basic questions, you're partway on that journey of understanding what your EVP is. Yeah. And I guess that kind of follows really neatly into the generational drivers um, information around why they are so important. Generational drivers or generational conflict, I suppose, would be one of the m- main big five reasons why my phone rings. In this day and age, it's not uncommon for us to have five different generations working in the workforce at any one time. So there's never been a more important time to understand the differences between each generation and what drives them. When you've got I suppose differences in age, experience, um, ego, attitude, Mm -hmm. environment, and I suppose even perceptions and technology, it's naturally going to cause friction. So I guess if if we look at the last, even the the last three, the, the current generation, our parents' generation and our grandparents' generations, you know, these particular generations have gone through such different things. If you look at our grandparents, for example, when they were out in the workforce, they were fiercely loyal because they really had no option. There was there was no option for them to, you know, if they had a job, they were super grateful to have that. Our parents' generation, they were looking at a standard of living. That's that's the main reason that got them out of bed every morning. And for our current generation, it's about a quality of life. Mm-hmm. So in in what I do, I think one of my greatest wishes is that each generation is valued and each generation is respected for the ideas and the wisdom that each can bring to a business. And if we do, I think we're going to get a greater, um, we're going to get greater workforce participation and more significant increases in productivity as a result of understanding the differences and richness of experience that each generation brings to our business. Yeah, fantastically said. I think that goes to like two heads is better than one or two minds is better than one. And so I guess playing off each other's strengths and weaknesses and acknowledging what each person, regardless of age or um, background, what they can bring to the team, which is really important. Sally, for our listeners, do you have any resources on generational drivers that they could look into? Yeah, look, Meg, there is. And one of my favourite resources is uh, an infographic by McCrindle. Um, it's an organisation, it's a demographic analysis uh, type of organisation. Mm-hmm. And so they've got this great graphic which basically outlines the different generations and it looks at things like technology, 
um, learning styles, communication, how people, how even each generation have been sold to over over time. And it's it's a really informative infographic, and it's one that I use a lot in in my own business. So if you if you really if you're inclined to understand more about this, I'd really encourage you to go and search that graphic. Um, Generations defined by McCrindle. Fantastic, thank you. Let's talk about attraction now. So when you're starting the recruitment process, what are the key steps that you need to take? Oh gosh, there's so much that I could add here, Meg. Um, I guess the first thing is to say that, you know, as as employers, we should be keeping recruitment in mind every single day and not just when we need somebody or, you know, our, a member of our team doesn't turn up or get sick, for example. First and foremost, I think the most effective managers cultivate a sense of purpose. And so they're really clear about the, the mission, the vision, and they help their employees understand and discover how their particular role can contribute towards that mission and vision um, and helping them fulfill their own personal uh, mission and vision as well. I guess before you start, though, like going back a little bit, it's important to look at role design. So looking at the skills, the knowledge and abilities that you require in that, in that particular role to be successful, thinking about who are you targeting Given that millennials are now comprising of more than 50% of our workforce, it's really important to understand the characteristics of, of that particular generation and what motivates them to help you get more quality candidates um, through your recruitment process. I think it's also important to understand what you're offering. Being mindful that sometimes, in, in my experience, the turnover or attrition that we experience in our business is because sometimes our candidates have been oversold on the vision and the culture of the business mm-hmm. and and then they just leave because the leadership um, isn't, up to, isn't up to stand or doesn't match what they've been sold. Mm-hmm. And I think not, not lastly, but, you know, another important factor is, you know, get your ducks in a row. In this particular market, if you're really slow to respond, um, you can lose really good candidates to competitors because you you just don't have the letter of offer ready, for example, or you're not sure, you haven't been through that process to understand what you're actually going to offer the candidates in terms of remuneration and and benefits and things like that. So I think if you can answer some of these really basic questions, it's going to help you move more freely and more effectively through that um, attraction and recruitment process. You know, there are a lot of people out there that would say you don't need policies and procedures in your business or you don't need any employee documentation. And there's nothing in the legislation to say that you do need that. But I'm a really big advocate for being really clear about your expectations. And mm-hmm. so having um, having the appropriate policies and procedures in place that are agreed upon by both parties, having a, a letter of offer attached to an employment contract and also... Um, and also having a code of conduct, I think that's one of the most important things that you can have in place as a business owner or leader to um, to help you drive a successful team. There's lots of great resources out there in terms of if you go to websites like peopleinag.com.au, that's a, um, a website that's been created by a lot of the RDCs here in Australia. So mm-hmm. they've got some great resources and great starting points as to the, the type of um, 
type of documents and some, even some templates on, on how you can start that, that thought process with those particular documents. Do you have any tips on how to stand out in a competitive market? Yeah, look, you know, apart from talking about some of the things that we, we've just spoken about in terms of, you know, understanding who you are as a business, how you operate as, an, as a, a leader and manager, um, the type of people you're targeting, what you're offering, having your ducks in a row, those sort of things. I think, you know, one of the most important things that you can do to stand out in the market is, is to be different. Some of my clients, Meg, have integrated video into their recruitment campaigns. And I, I think this is a really super smart strategy because as the saying goes, a picture paints a thousand words. So using this particular strategy gives a potential candidate a deeper insight into the people, the operation, the role, and sometimes even like the community and if you uh, are one of those employers that are offering uh, housing as a part of the package for as well, you know, you, you're giving them a bit of an insight as to what they might potentially be walking into. So using video, I think, is a, is a great strategy. Not only does it save you time and, and money in the recruitment process, I think it gets you a better quality candidate um, at the end of the day. Yeah, very good. And so when you're talking about video, do you mean a... Hollywood production film or absolutely not (laughs) I think you've got to be really authentic about it Meg because if you if you go and have this big Hollywood production you know and similar to the comment I made previously if the Hollywood production doesn't match the reality then you're not you know you're you're doing yourself a disservice so I've the some of the best ones that I've actually seen have been shot on an iPhone and and edited in you know, a very basic app on on um, on the computer. So it, yeah, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars. It's basically giving people an insight into into yourself, your business. Um, as I said, the community, and it, it's 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 real. And the the more authentic it can be, the better. So if your job ad isn't attracting the right candidates, I think it's time to review the content that you've got and you know, making a bit of an assessment, is this particular advert speaking the language of the potential um, people that are available in the job market? Mm-hmm. If you look online, I think, you know, there are a lot of adverts that focus on the me, us and we, and they mm-hmm. forget the you, the person that you're actually trying to attract. So sometimes just even changing tiny language and making it a more person-centred um, approach to the way that you're trying to attract people in, into your business can be a, a really important move forward. I guess the next thing, you know, if your job ad's not working is looking at role design. You know, is it is it designed in a way that is att- attractive to a diverse pool of, of demographic um, candidates? Mm-hmm. Do you need somebody in the role to in the role to roll through the gate at eight in the morning and out again at four in the afternoon? Could this job be job shared and structured around um, breaking it up in, into into two two shifts, for example? Mm-hmm. You know, so one one shift is around school hours, for example, and you know by by doing that, you're opening up a whole new market of potential candidates that can help you fill uh, your labour requirements in your business. What do you do once you get applications for the positions available? 
I think this is the part where we fall down a little bit as an industry when it comes to running a successful recruitment campaign is we forget to to measure and evaluate the candidates. And in one of the previous one of the previous presenters, Jay, I think provided a ripper template which gives you a great guide on some of the questions and how you can evaluate fairly the candidates that you interview, for example, or the ones even that you choose. Um, to take forward into an, an interview. Um, what I like about this particular template is that it causes you to think about in a, in a really structured and methodical way and make a fair assessment on whether that person is a great fit for your business or not. Mm-hmm. During the webinar, you concluded on valuing the whole person. Can you elaborate on how you value the whole person and just in general what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Meg, this is one of my favourite um, topics. People are our greatest assets and it's also, I guess, the mess and the magic of, of a business. In the past, our jobs have been about muscle, but our future roles, I think, are going to be much more about hearts and minds. Whatever we talk about in agriculture, you know, whether it's soil, pastures, crops, livestock, whatever it is, we require people And in a time where it's really difficult to secure the supply of labour, it's now more important than ever that we focus on creating an environment where it's safe for us as our whole team and the individuals that comprise our team to bring their whole self to work. Mm -hmm. We're all unique. We've all got a different, um, we've got got diversity of thought and opinion and I suppose even life choices as well. And that's what makes us who we are. So if we focus on that whole person, we have healthier relationships, happier people, and at the end of the day, a more profitable business. Fantastic. And I think that is an excellent note to end on. If you'd like to learn more about the importance of people development and how that can improve business performance, the webinar recording with Sally is on Cheer Up's YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes of this podcast episode. Finally, before we wrap up, Sally, if our listeners are wanting to further discuss staff attraction, retention and training or any of the following topics that we discussed in today's episode or on the webinar, where can they find you? Yeah, look, I think the easiest way is to to head off to my website, which is inspire-ag.com.au. So a little hyphen in between inspire and ag or just um, inspire ag Oz across all the social media platforms. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It was a fantastic discussion and I can't wait for our listeners to hear. Well, that's it for today's episode. We can't wait for you to tune in with us next time. In the meantime, if you're enjoying our podcast, please share, rate and subscribe so we can continue to keep creating this content for you all.